from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. What kind of programs does this school have? How are the test scores? How many kids do a classroom? Homes.com knows these are all things you ask when you're home shopping as a parent. That's why each listing on Homes.com includes extensive reports on local schools, including photos, parent reviews, test scores, student-teacher ratio, school rankings, and more. The information is from multiple trusted sources and curated by Homes.com's dedicated in-house research team. It's also you can make the right decision for your family. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hi guys, it's Sammy J. This week's guest is a friend of mine who is truly amazing. Nadia Okamoto is an entrepreneur, an activist, a published author, and a student at Harvard. She's also been named to Forbes 30 Under 30 list. Oh, and did I mention she's only 22 years old? At 16, she founded Period.org, which is now the largest youth-run women's health NGO. Activism is in her soul, and that's where we began our conversation. So I want to start with activism, because that's where this all started. Yeah. How did you create, and what was the inspiration behind Period.org? Yeah, so I'm Nadia. I am currently a junior at Harvard and the founder of an organization called Period the Menstrual Movement. And, you know, I never grew up 
dreaming about being a period warrior, right? It was not even something that even crossed my mind. Um, but I stumbled upon it accidentally uh, when I was 16 years old. So in the spring of my freshman year of high school, my mom ended up losing her job and we entered uh, what I call our time of transition, which was essentially several months of living without a home of our own. And during that time, my commute to school turned from about 12 minutes to over two hours long wow. on public transportation. That's a long time. And where it would change buses was in an area of Portland, Oregon called Old Town, where there were like 10 homeless shelters in a two-block radius. So, I mean, long story short, I essentially was running into the same homeless women over and over again and getting into conversations with them about their living situation, asking them questions about what they found challenging, and it honestly just came up in conversation like these stories of using literal trash to take care of their periods right and slowly just started hearing more stories of they're using toilet paper and socks and brown paper grocery bags and cardboard to take care of their periods and it was like a privilege check for me right so I'm 16 I am confused about my family's living situation like yeah. I, it was a time when like I had to mark no permanent address on school forms but I was also the scholarship kid at a really expensive private school where like my face was like low-key on the front of the financial aid packet like that kind of vibe mm -hmm. so it was like really confusing and so I was became obsessed with this idea of period poverty because it was something I had never thought about before right so it was this yeah. privilege check of oh even in this time when my family's going through this hard thing I've never had to worry about where I get my period products. And it put things in perspective, I'm totally. sure. Yes, absolutely. And so after I just got obsessed with it, Googled things about period poverty, learned about, uh, you know, what it meant on a global scale, uh, about being like one of the leading causes of absenteeism for girls in That's school. Crazy. And then learned that in 2014, 40 states in the U.S. had a sales tax on period products, considering them luxury items. Okay, yeah. so <laughs> for, those, for those who don't know, because we have guys and girls listening, what is period poverty? So period poverty is not being able to afford access to menstrual hygiene products. So like tampons, pads, menstrual cups due to a lack of income. So why do you think there's such a stigma around all of this? I mean, I think that throughout history, periods have been thought of as something that is shameful that should be hidden, right? I think I think there's like the obvious theories behind how periods are inherently tied to sex because it's like when your body can become pregnant, right? Yeah. Um, but also I think like you can trace it back all the way I mean, one to the Bible, right? Like in the Bible, periods are are framed in Genesis as when um, as a, a punishment for the ultimate sin of like Eve eating the apple, right? Um, at the same time, Comes like all the way back, yeah. At the same time, the word taboo, which means like untouched, like you do not touch the subject, comes from the root word Polynesian root. Tapua, which literally means menstruation. Stop right? it. So like throughout history and through the etymology of the language that we use, this is thought of as something that is stigmatized, connected to stigmatized topics like sex and pregnancy and all of that. And periods are thought of as something that like makes that less attractive, right? And at the same time, um, I mean, throughout history, it's been sort of as seen as the thing that like puts women in their place. And so we don't talk about it today. Like so much of our work is simply trying to get people comfortable saying the word period, right? And I noticed that when I started talking to these homeless women is we would start talking about periods and they would whisper it like it's a bad word. Like, oh, I'm on my period, right? Or you think about asking your friend well, for a tampon. And going to school. It's yeah. a very secretive thing. Exactly. And I think it's even it's rarely talked about in school today. But when it is, it's in like boys in one classroom and girls in the other. So the boys never learn about it. And the girls learn that it's like only talked about behind closed doors. And you it's never taught in a space where you can ask questions. Right. So, I mean, the example I like to use of realizing the stigma around you is like when I give speeches, I ask people to raise their hand if you've ever stuck a tampon up your sleeve. 
right? Okay. And most of the time, the majority of the hands go up. And it's crazy to think like you go to the bathroom and we're conditioned to know that you hide your period product. But no one tells you that when you need to change your period product, like at all costs, hide it. Bring you your whole backpack. It. Yeah. You're like conditioned by society that this literal like piece of cotton is a shame, an object of shame, right? Yeah. And that you will be laughed at and giggled at. And so society conditions us to understand that there's this shame around periods. And I think that's what we're trying to change. I mean, just talking about it, it, it like it automatically makes my, my heart be like, oh my God, like what are people yeah. going to think about it? Which it shouldn't be. Yeah. Because it literally happens to half of the population. Exactly. Generally. And I think. I think even further, it's understanding that like this, these small elements of stigma have real systemic effects, right? That so is so true. We think of it as oh, it's just like it's just our own nervousness, right? But because of that stigma, we have the majority of U.S. states that consider these period products luxury items, not essential goods. But Rogaine, Viagra, penile pumps, chapstick is considered essential goods. Right? Wait, really? So it's like all of these things where it's like the stigma is pervasive and has real effects all the way to we're still fighting for period products to be freely accessible in schools, shelters and prisons. And like last year, legislation was turned down in Maine and a GOP representative stood up and said period products should not be free in prisons because they're not meant to be country clubs. Right. Right. So there's this. Stop a, it. Yeah. So there's, oh. and this is like in a state house, in Maine state house, right? And so it's we. There are real effects of you know we joke around about periods and we joke about you know what the effects of this are, but like, there, yeah, there's laws that exist around this that are really angering. And we, you know, my organization did a national study last year. We found that 84 percent of teens in America have either misclassed or know someone who is misclassed due to a lack of access to period products. So you started this nonprofit when you were 16, but when did you think this could grow and become such a huge movement? I don't think I ever really realized it was a movement, even like today. I still wake up and I'm like shocked by how many people are interested. And they call it the movement now. They yeah. call it the period movement that you started. Yes, yes. And it, it's, it's super exciting to me. But I mean, when I started this organization, I did not think it was going to be national. I did not think it was going to go beyond Portland. I was truly doing it because I was like, I know these homeless women and I genuinely care about them. And and I wanted to like reconcile this privilege that I was realizing I had. Right. And and I had no idea what I was doing. I was Googling what is a nonprofit and what is the IRS and what is a Form 990. I was Googling everything. You learn I didn't as you know. go. Yes. And I, my, I started with a goal of getting period products to 20 homeless women a week because I personally knew 20 homeless women. Okay. And it was simply through organizing and posting on social media. And then, I mean, I was a true workaholic at the age of like 16. I was like staying up late, finishing my homework, doing 16 clubs, and then using all the time I could to work on this. And so within a few months, we were starting to register chapters around the country. And fast forward to now, um, we're now the largest youth run NGO in women's health in the world. We've addressed about almost a million periods through product distribution. So it's That's like 16 crazy. million units of product. And we've registered about 600 campus chapters in all 50 states. Whoa. Okay. So how crazy is that <laughs> just to say that in a sentence that you've accomplished all that much and you're 21? Yes. That's I mean, insane. I, it's interesting because I'm, I'm not very good at like celebrating how much we've done because I think that as an activist at heart like yes it's important to take moments to celebrate those moments but I think I'm so always focused on like how much more we have to do right yeah. um, and I'm really proud of our team like we in the last few months we've taken down the tampon tax in Ohio Utah and Virginia it just it, the Senate just passed the bill two days ago in Virginia congratulations but I think like in my mind I'm like okay there's still 30 states and we're coming upon 2020 which is like 
one of the most pivotal years in terms of reproductive rights right now. And yeah. we're still fighting to protect the same legislation we've been fighting for for the last like six decades. And like I met with a few presidential campaigns today and like I was talking to them and they had no idea the tampon tax existed. Who did you meet? I met with Bloomberg's team today, but like I, it's they I didn't see. That's what's crazy to me that they don't understand how relevant this is. Well, even more so, it's like I regularly meet with governors or legislators who don't even know that their own tax state has this tax, right? Because it's an archaic law that has never been questioned. So but, you're the one that started questioning this. We're trying to us and all of our chapters, yeah. So how many states have you made it so there's no tampon tax? So it's not just it's so many different activists. It truly is this movement of so many different organizations now. But I mean, when I started in 2014, when I was 16, it was 40 states, and now we're at 30. Man, okay. So once you get down to 30 and there's none, how are you going to celebrate? thought about that? Oh, yeah, I guess I should celebrate Yeah. I mean, I think that, okay, honestly, like, the first thing that came to mind was, like, oh, once we get it all passed, that's when we can really get period products in all the schools, right? So So it's always one thing. I know, and I I really, this is my goal for 2020 is I need to learn how to, like, take a step back and, like, enjoy it. Process it all. But, like, I mean, I sort of see the tampon tax and fighting it as a Trojan horse to fighting for the other things, right? Because the tampon tax is not affecting homeless and low-income women because it's affecting people who are already buying the product. But it's a it, catalyst. Yes, but it's exactly. It's a catalyst because we have to fight this stigma that menstrual hygiene is a luxury so that we can fight for period products to be free in schools, shelters, and prisons. Like, I actively think that period products should be freely accessible in every restroom. Because if you walked into a bathroom and there was no toilet paper— you'd be kind of mad, right? Or you'd be really mad and frustrated. It's the same way. It's this. It's just as natural. It can come just as unexpectedly. And actually, our chapters have been amazing. We've passed um, or introduced about 12 pieces of legislation in the last few months, um, Missouri yesterday, California last last week, um, around period products to be free in schools, right? Um, because, like, we... It's crazy even thinking about not just the statistics of missing class and missing school, but like if you have to go get a period product in the middle of a class and you have to go find it. And oftentimes it's like, first of all, sometimes it's in the bathroom and you need a quarter. Who carries a quarter anymore? I know. And at the same time, or it's in the principal's office and you have to like go to your principal who's honestly most likely a man and you have to say hi I'm menstruating I'm 13 and I'm gonna tell my principal I'm menstruating and I need a period product yeah okay so when you created period.org I just find this so fascinating how did you collect product in the first place so I really mean it when I say we started and had no strategy like it was truly passion and like not going to stop working so it was like okay this was my thought process we need period products so I need to go buy the period products I didn't even know the concept of like corporate social giving could give us products it's like we are going to go raise money to go buy this product I did not come from money so I tried singing on my guitar on the side of a street corner for five hours raised twenty dollars realized that was not a good use of my time I started trying to pitch to anyone who would listen on the street realized I was just a creepy young person like trying to stop people so my natural thought was okay I'm just gonna go pitch to people who where they're forced to be there so it's like staff meetings so I would go to like Fidelity Insurance Chase Bank Jiffy Lube Auto Mechanic store and be like can I pitch at your staff meetings and I would get up in front of the audience and or not an audience, audience is, is a strong word. Yeah. The staff, okay. which was sometimes like a few men 
auto mechanic and workers. And you're 16, keep in mind. Yes, and I would just pitch them, and I would just try to pitch in different ways. And I remember, like, when someone would give me literally $2 or $5, and it was, like, the most incredible as a 16-year-old who, like, was not used to money being like, oh, my gosh, they believe in what I'm doing, right? That's why it's crazy to me to realize how much we've grown. Like, when we when I looked back at our first year where we raised a million, I was like, like a it million was, dollars? It was a crazy Whoa. realization of how far we'd come because when I started, I was truly just like searching for anyone to listen to me in the first place and to to you know to to give any amount, right? And I would just practice my pitch in that sense. Then I got frustrated, so I went online, found every pitch competition in the area, won all of them. Started with a few That's thousand. A thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was just googling like I just, just how I can raise money as a young startup or entrepreneur. There's so many funding opportunities, like so many funding opportunities. Like adults really want to give to young activists right now. That's why I always tell young people like now is the best time to start because everyone is calling for this next generation to take action and they have money and they have resources and they just need to find people to invest in. But so I, yeah, I mean, we started with a few thousand dollars and I got a group of like guy friends together and we would go buy out the grocery stores, get friends together, put them into little packages and then distribute them to people directly on the street and then realize that was not maximizing our impact. So we went and distributed directly to shelters and we just started doing that until we had a few hundred shelters. Then we realized we could raise money online. It was like there was no there was no business plan. To, like now, of course, we have a strategic plan. But I didn't even know what that was when we started. When I started, it was like, I have no idea what a nonprofit is. I just know that I'm really passionate about this. And I don't know what I'm doing, but we're going to do it anyways. And that's hustle, so hustle. cool. It's I mean, that's honestly the mentality I've had in everything I've done from that to I ran for office when I was 19, had no idea what that meant, but Googled everything and just kept knocking on doors. When I wanted to write a book, I Googled how to write a book and cold emailed literary agents and then signed with my dream publisher and wrote it in Google Docs because I didn't know it was just like the sim, it was the easy thing to do. And I think that's the thing that holds young people back is like, what is my first step in starting? And it's like, yeah. there is no right first step. You just have to do it. So how long did it take you to write your book? Um, they gave me two months. And how many pages is it? Like two fifty. Oh my. <laughs> like eighty thousand words. And I was so I had so much imposter syndrome about my book and I still do. Like it was this whole like why do I deserve to write a book? Who's gonna read the book? So I procrastinated and wrote it in like the last three weeks. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And keep in mind everyone that she's at Harvard. Yes. You took a gap year. Yes, when my book came out. Wow. You are the busiest person. Like, but, blows, <laughs> no, but like, you're so inspiring. Just Thank like knowing. You. I mean, you too. I'm Katia Adler, host of the Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Because there's nothing like a weekend pause with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Because there's nothing like a weekend pause with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. So what's your goal for period.org in general? I mean, I think the goal of every nonprofit is to put yourself out of business. Like our goal, like that, it's truly what we're trying to do. We wake up every day saying, I wish we didn't have to exist, right? If we achieve what we do in terms of fighting period poverty, we can close our doors and say we did our job, right? I don't know if that's ever going to be achieved in our lifetime because periods are still like the number one reason why girls miss school in developing countries. It's the single vet that leads to girls dropping out of school, getting married early, undergoing female gender mutilation or social isolation. Like this issue is so big. But I think that what I love about this movement is that we have tangible ways of making a difference. Like I can tell you exactly how many states still have the tampon tax, which states still don't provide period products, um, how many more, like I I can find out like how much more, how many more prisons need to like freely, freely provide these products. Like there's tangible ways to make a difference. And I think that's why I wanted to write my book too, was to say like, this is one of the few poverty related issues that is solvable. You are a very clearly passionate person. Do you ever get tired and want to give up? Because you seem so motivated. Like (laughs) just like a week in your life when I see your Instagram stories, it gives me anxiety. Just like the amount that you do, (laughs) the amount of flights. How many flights would you say you go on a week? I think it totally depends. On a busy week. Busy week, it's like a flight or two a day. Yeah. Chill week, it's like a couple trains a week. Wow. Yeah. But it's part of like my restlessness, right? Like that's that's the thing I always tell people. It's not that I'm super busy. It's that I grew up in very tumultuous like like my childhood was not peaceful, right? Yeah. I grew up downtown New York City post 9/11 and then in, with a lot of domestic violence and abuse in my own household. So I and then I grew up moving around all the time. I think by the time I was 16 we'd moved like 16 times or more. Wow. We were bouncing around all the time. So my when I, like what I am used to is is like instability, honestly. Like I think when I'm in one place for five days, I get restless. So it's not that like I I'm I look super busy, but like I don't feel busy because I think my life has always have a little bit of that chaos. So like when I go to Portland, if I'm Portland, Oregon, which is very chill compared to New York, if I'm there for like four days, I will actively get anxiety because I'm like everything is moving in slow motion. So like, you thrive off of yes. the the go go go. Totally. Yeah. And no I wonder why you like New York. Yes, and I can sleep better on planes like when I feel like it's so odd. That's so interesting. But it's because I grew up around like a lack of so like when and I know that eventually in my life I'm going to have to learn stability. But right now and it's the same thing I've never focused on just one thing, right? And it's been frustrating for some of my team members who are like why don't you just focus on period? And I'm like, "Yes, but sort of like 
I'm so nerdy to use this comparison, but you know when you're like practicing for standardized testing and okay. the first tip is if you get stuck on a problem, don't spend time on it, just move on, right? And mm-hmm. you'll start you'll think about it in the back of your mind and you come back. That's how I think of everything I do, right? To maximize efficiency and make sure I'm getting like perhaps like the quote unquote right answers. I focus on period and when I get to a stopping point or like frustrated with it, I move on to my company or I move on to running for office. And I know I'll eventually come back and I'll complete it all. And I used to have really struggles with anxiety. And then one of my friends told me, stress is just a waste of time and time is going to keep going. And it's so true, right? Like if you panic and you just, I used to have panic attacks every day and from like PTSD and stuff. And I would sit there and panic and realize six hours went by and I did nothing, right? And I think I just had to internalize like time will keep going whether you're with it or not. And I think time is our most, one of our most, time and our energy is like our most precious resource. And We just have to accept that and stay focused and breathe so you can be more effective. You are so insightful. Oh, my goodness. You should write a book. (laughs) It's crazy. No, it's it's one or the other. But, like, you could just write a book on motivation, like, in itself. Okay. (laughs) I want to talk about Juve. Yes. For How would you describe Juve as a – Pitch Juve to the people listening. How would you describe it? I think it makes most sense when I talk about the story behind it, right? So I grow period. We start mobilizing young people in like historic waves ever seen before in the period space. Crazy. And I ran for office. We didn't win, but we made history with student turnout. And I accidentally became the youngest Asian American to run ever. And Accidentally. Yes. No, I did not even know. But at at a certain point, I started finding myself, like honestly, not even thinking about it, but finding myself called into rooms of high up people in companies or high up people in campaigns who are saying, who are using me as a case study, saying, how have you grown this? Now teach us how. How do we reach young people? What we forget as young people is that we are really powerful together. We are the so largest true. segment of a population in the history of the world. We're 32% of the global population. Whoa, but, wait. Yes. That is a crazy statistic. But we're 46% of the total media audience and even more on social, right? So when you think about where these companies are investing in their marketing dollars or who they need, who campaigns need to reach to vote, um, and even in the money we spend, we control $143 billion of spending power, but we influence $600 billion of our parents' money, right? So hmm. there's so – we have so much influence in this space. So I, act, I, I – it was truly an accident. Like I started getting called into taking these meetings and realizing I could like charge money for people who wanted to understand young people. And what I realized is I would walk into these rooms and it was often like people who are decades older than me. And then there was like someone in the corner who is like the youth expert, quote, <laughs> like the youth expert. And I knew I was like the first young person they've talked to in years. Yeah. And I would realize like I'm not I would sit there being they would be like, oh, my God, you're so amazing. We've never heard any young person speak like that. And I'm like confused because I am like I don't feel unique in this sense like there's so many amazing there's so activists. many amazing young people if you think I am like a diamond in the rough then you're just not talking to enough young people right so I started doing this just as like on the side as a side hustle um to like support my fan like support myself through school and then I started meeting other young people with like my co-founder Ziad Ahmed who was like another actor in the space who sort of started building a business in that own sense we joined together created this company so now we work with small 
companies all the way up to about 30 Fortune 500 companies working on marketing strategies, digital activations, experiential marketing. We basically go into companies and we say, you're already trying to reach young people. You're spending a lot of money on it. You're trying to research us. But all of the research you're doing is not in the best way, right? It's either done through research that takes six months to come out. By the time it comes out, the trends are outdated, right? Or you do focus groups, but they're just telling you about the problem, not the solution. And you're not getting at the heart of the problem, right? For example, I hear a lot from clients who do these focus groups about social media and have never heard of a Finsta, right? Because they've never asked about it. They don't know what questions to ask, right? And so we just come in and we're like, if you want to reach young people, you should talk to us. And I sort of think about our vision or our ethos not as just about like young people, but it's the idea that if you're trying to affect any group of people, that group of people needs to be represented at the table, right? Otherwise, you're not doing it equitably. I completely agree. And I think it's really smart that you did that because is there anything like that? No, I mean, that was that's why we've grown so fast is because we started this and it's a huge need and there's no competition in the space, right? Like we are like the only major and there are other Gen Z marketing places, but like but we, it's run, but you're 21 and it's yes. run by people your age. And yeah, and there's some that are popping up like it, but we are the only one that have like infrastructure and, and, and scalability, right? So we, I was the oldest person at the company until we recently hired a 23 year old CFO last year. Oh my God, that's so old. A 24 year old <laughs> chief of staff. And we have 100 consultants between the ages of 14 and 22. And then we deploy them out to work with high level executives. And then we have a Vine network of over 3,000 young people that we regularly fill out to surveys, right? So like some of our favorite clients like Visco will do these surveys with um, on like uh, how Gen Z thinks about creativity or social media. And we're just able to get like, you know, much deeper insights. And it's been it's been incredible to watch because I think I took everything I learned from period of like the power of working with brands who have resources and platform and network. And we take that into the space and we consider ourselves like a company that's truly about empowering young people and trying to honestly get these companies to take a stand on something like climate change or yeah. the digital divide. My work teaches me to have little privilege checks every little every day. Yeah. Right. Because it puts things in perspective. Yeah, put things into perspective or like. I mean, even coming over here, realizing, like, I don't even think twice about subway fare anymore, right? But five years ago, the subway fare was really stressful for me, right? Or, like, I know it's stressful for a lot of people, and today I never think about it, right? And I think it's you remember as you, you know, I'm not used to making money. Like, that was not something I really grew up with. And I think I push myself to be so thankful for those little things every day and to, like, recognize how far we've come to. It's it's taken a lot of healing, and I think it's part of being a sexual assault survivor. You, like, have – like, I really struggled with, like, treating myself or being, like, I deserve a home or, like, I deserve to be taken care of or, like, I deserve yeah. my own space. And so, like, I finally got my own place and – how have you learned to actually splurge for yourself and treat yourself? I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm still learning, but I think, I mean, I think honestly, it was, it took a lot of pushing from like my family and the people close to me who knew about all of this. But also, I think what put it into perspective is like, I care so deeply about all the young activists that I work with, right? Like, I think, like, I spend hours a day texting back and forth with chapter members or young activists I've never met, but, like, genuinely love, like, would die for, because I, like, support them so much. Yeah. Oh, my God. So how do you balance college and all of this? And Harvard is not an easy school. Yeah, I mean, it's really hard. It's, um... What are you majoring in? Sociology now. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it's really fun. But, I mean, the thing is, is, like, it's not like this comes with no sacrifices, right? Like, when you live this life... I don't go to parties every weekend. You know, I was supposed to go to all these New York Fashion Week shows. I've ditched all of them to work 
by myself in my pajamas, right? And I'm actually really happy doing that. I'm so not extroverted as people think I am. But, like, I, there's sacrifices that come with it. And so, I mean, when I'm at school, I'm there for class. Like, I'm there. I see my friends. We work together. But, like, I'm there Monday to, like, Monday night and then, like, Wednesday to Wednesday night. Like, that's often how it is. And so I, like, go to class and I live by to-do li- to lists. And whenever I have time, I block out, like, six hours on Saturday. I just get all my homework done. Smart. Yeah. So- when you have a deadline or you're working for your nonprofit, are your professors accommodating? No, usually not. Not at all. <laughs> because Harvard is the school of a lot of ego, right? Yeah. For the most part, it's these students who were the best in their class and then they get to Harvard and they expect this special treatment because, I mean, for the most of us, we were like our teacher's pet. Like, we were the ones who got away. But no, that's not the case at all. Like, everyone is doing their own thing. So, of course, you find some professors. Like, there are some professors I've worked with who, like, so support what I'm doing. Others are like, yes, we support what you're doing, but, like, you are a student just like anyone else. Would you ever just take... 48 hours and just like go to a spa or something and not be on your phone and not work or do you think your mind just can't do that no I actually I've been able to do that and I think it's been even so the thing that I do no matter what is I work out every day right like no matter what where I am anything if I'm at a hotel or whatever I will always go to the gym and like my stipulation with my team is like whatever hotel I stay in there needs to be a gym a 24-hour gym like and I need to work out every day and it's like the time when I put my work away and I just listen to music or NPR and like I just like clear my head I mean yes my therapist argues that that's no longer just self-care because I started (laughs) modeling and so it's like part of my job now it's like I signed with Adidas and so like I have to be congratulations (laughs) by the way but it's also at the same time I think like working out is like very important for me I also started dating someone and so for me like our stipulation is when we it's long distance but like when we are together like I put everything away and I'm like there and present how's long distance I think it's, like, perfect for me because (laughs) when I wasn't long distance before, I was, like, so, like, please go away. Like, go away. I need my time to do my emails. So it's the best of both worlds. All of my romantic relationships before this one have ended because they've asked me to choose between period and them. Like, actively been, like, choose between this or them. And I'm, like, I'm always, like, sad at first and I'm, like, okay, bye. Like, like, so long distance I love, actually, because I'm, like, I get my own time to, like, focus on my stuff and to work. And I, I'm i obsessed with what he's doing. He's, like, doing um, sustainable infrastructure, like, solar panel stuff. Like, so also an activist. Yes, in his own way. And then I'm, like, you know, he gets let me it. focus. And then when we're together, which is, like, I don't know, like, once a month or something, like, I'll be fully present. Yeah. That's, I feel, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Actually, also, I recently found out that long distance is more common with Gen Z than any other generation. That doesn't surprise me. Yeah, because we have the tools. So, like, you can FaceTime and it doesn't think like, can you imagine if you're in a long distance relationship and all you had to do could do write, write letters? letters. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> like, that... It is crazy to me. Like, it would never work in that sense. But yeah. As an activist in general, what is your goal? I know it's you're doing period, you're doing that, you have another business idea. What is your generalized goal in this entire field so I mean I have overall goals of what we I think we should do right like end the tampon tax Mm -hmm. really accessible period products in schools at the same time I actually don't have goals for like what I want to like I'm gonna do everything to get there but I sort of think is my goal is just to like maximize my impact like maximize my being like bringing I don't know like inspiration to like the people around me or like love to my family or like impact to my team because I used to hold myself to standards of like 
my organization needs to make this impact. Otherwise, I did not accomplish the goal. But I realize yeah. that when you work in policy and you work in social change, first of all, it's really hard to measure. But two, you are depending on like a slow, often broken system. Right. So I realize like I just try to push myself to like maximize what I can do. And I think that's my goal is just to like at any stage of what I'm doing, maximize what I'm doing. You are very busy. Thank you for taking the time of course. to come on the podcast. I mean, I'm inspired by what you're doing. You're making history with podcasts, and you're much younger than me, and you're killing it, and we're all inspired by you. Juve actively talks about how inspired we are by you. Stop it. Seriously. Oh, my God. Keep hustling. Oh, my God, I will. You, too. You, you need to take a break from hustling <laughs> once in a while. But I'm telling you, I'm taking breaks. It's just like a, I'm just – I like being busy. I can tell. It, yeah. You thrive off it. Yes, exactly. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode from Nadia. Make sure you follow her on all of her socials. It's Nadia Okamoto. And follow me on my Instagram. It's at itsamyj. That's I-T-S-S-A-M-M-Y-J-A-Y-E. I also recommend you follow our podcast account because we have some fun giveaways coming. Thank you guys so much for listening. And I'll see you next time. Bye. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. 
To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual.